damn it. I totally forgot about Day After Tomorrow. Yep. I'm sorry. I, I, had to, I, was I thinking, watched it again I'm gonna, today. I'm going to watch the trailer for it right now because <laughs> I don't <forget. laughs> Dude, watching the trailer oh. before talking about it is like reading the cliff notes. Class. That rules. Man, Speaking of which, guess what Wikipedia page I have up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's like... No I mean, shame. it's been no like shame. three weeks. Yeah. That's so. why I watched it again. <laughs> Dude, I wasn't going to rent it again. Fuck that. It's true. I did waste the money to rent it again. You had to rent it? I don't remember renting it. Did I rent it? Fuck, maybe I rented it. It's been yeah. so long I forgot. <laughs> Welcome to the Vulgar Auteurs, where we explore the filmographies of genre filmmakers. This week we are discussing. Fuck you. It this always happens. It always happens when we go a long time between. Leaving um, it. Leaving it. <laughs> Welcome to the Vulgar Tours, where we explore the filmographies of genre filmmakers. Uh, we are in the midst of a series on the films of Roland Emmerich, and this week we are talking about his 2004 film, The Day After Tomorrow. I'm Paco. I'm Jason. I'm Terry. Sick. So, quick question. What do you guys remember <laughs> of this movie? The score you know, is really beautiful. Yeah. Um, you know. The score is pretty good. I mean, I, I think uh, I'm more serious about the environment, bro. It's uh, It's got a very timely message. It's like... And, and I'm not like, I don't mean to rag on it too much, but it's very much like it comes in this like kind of inconvenient truth era. Yeah. Where, totally. and, and like Emmerich is very much kind of like on the pulse of things. And so, yeah, he, of course, has to make a disaster movie about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's like, it's, he didn't yeah, win an Oscar for The Patriot. So, what else was he going to do? <laughs> he needed Thank to go back question. to his roots. He kind of has to go back to his roots and be the writer for this one with someone else that I don't recognize. But we're like uh, in, instead of like Independence Day, like aliens taking over, it's like the Earth taking over. Yeah. So there's nothing you can do. About it. It's and based on um, a the book called of- The Coming Global Superstorm. But yeah. I just saw who wrote the book. Yeah. Do you, guys, Bell and- do you guys know Art Bell? Yes, oh, that yeah, radio fucking coast. host. Yeah, dude. Fucking yeah, the, dude. the coast to coast AM kidding? guy. Yeah, yeah the conspiracy oh. theorist yeah, guy. <laughs> so, Day like After Tomorrow is based enough. off the crazy conspiracy guy's book. Um, That's awesome. Which is funny because the other writer as well on it, uh, Whitley Strieber, I think is how you pronounce the name. Um, oh, also no sort of shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, he's the guy, he's the guy that got, um, well... Not to put it too indelicately, the guy who was raped by aliens, according to his accounts. Oh, yeah, I think I heard I about him on last podcast. Yes, uh, exactly. Yeah. That was, I uh, was kind of reading it. So it's an interesting, uh, interesting duo for a book. Bro, that I can't apparently I this that. this oh movie is Emmerich <laughs> drawing from that. So well, and Spielberg, well, take it as because of course Emmerich... it's a father and son story on, on yes. a lot of different levels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it has kind of like, again, it's it's kind of like the not to be like too memey about it, but like again, there's this like, you know, how about some Spielberg? And it's like, no, we have Spielberg at home, and it's like it's oh. Emmerich. And <laughs> yeah. Every time it's like he just he kind of feels like the the knockoff aspects of it. Like, sure, there is this like relationship at the center, and there's also this kind of like huge scale that you would that you might see in a Spielberg film, but where Spielberg creates magic. Emmerich's is kind of hacky where like the opening sequence where uh the the drill falls into like the fissure on the ice sheet mm-hmm. it looks like a ps2 cutscene like yeah, it looks atrocious well. Dude, and like yeah it's pretty bad yeah, this whole the water movie CGI, looks which is awful it's yeah. kind of astounding how bad this movie looks no it was cool yes. where they flooded the set where they're walking through water on an obvious <laughs> set with cars and stuff that no, yeah, i mean dude. legitimately That's, like that was that was cool uh, that was pretty cool the yeah. earth freeze over and mm-hmm. like dude. into a terminator 2 type thing where the helicopter <laughs> guy got frozen yeah. in a second 
Well, but like, dude, that was pretty rad. Half of the movie is a special effect. Like, so much of this film is just like literally CG, and there's nothing else. Like, there are no human elements. It's just pure CG spectacle and And storm porn. Yeah, (laughs) it most certainly is storm porn. It, it, but it's that's the thing though. It's like Twister without any of the good characters. (laughs) Well, there's like you guys. Twisters. To be fair, this cinematographer. Uh, Uli, U, Uli or Ueli Steiger. Uh, I mean, he did some great work before working on this movie. He was the DP on, among other things, uh, the Jerky Boys, for example. Mm. So, you know. interesting on a vocal platform or the movie, the Jerky Boys. The move, the adaptation, the uh, the major film adaptation of the Jerky Boys. With I, I don't even know what I that is. I don't know what that is. Do you guys so don't know the what jerky? the Jerky Boys is? No. No. Dude. Oh, man. <laughs> I guess you're just like just enough younger than us that like <laughs> you, missed yeah. that train. you what, must have missed that it. That was weirdly generational. I'm, I'm one year younger than you. I know, <laughs> but it was a huge thing in grade school for me. <laughs> I'm three No, but we would have been in grade school at the are. same time. You would have just been one year ahead. Yeah. But (laughs) how was the Jerky Boys not a huge thing? Because we were doing Pokemon. I don't know. I remember they would have advertising for the movie in comic books. So, like, you would see the Jerky Boys movie and, like, they would sell stupid. It was, like, these guys from uh, Staten Island or they're they're somewhere in... Maybe the Bronx. Somewhere in New York. But they would just record themselves doing prank calls. Uh, it was like proto crank yankers where yeah like they're they had reoccurring characters and they'd call places and they would sell like tapes and cds of like each tape or cd or whatever would have like an hour of prank calls of like it was like a comedy record yeah and so then they made a movie about them which uh i don't remember the details but basically they uh print called the mafia i think and then the mafia gets after them and then they are just running around prank calling people it's a really bad movie it sounds pretty oh, bad it sounds awful <laughs> it sounds like a product of its time for sure it definitely yes. is oh i don't want to revisit any of those uh, i can only imagine and like that humor is so cringy you know anyway i mean we could do another, <laughs> we could do another hour. welcome, welcome to, to the jerky boys podcast <laughs> Dude, yeah, i'd rather boys. talk about the, the jerky, jerky boys movie <laughs> than the day after tomorrow <laughs> it's this is maybe the most boring emmerich movie we've covered so far I, mean... I would disagree. <laughs> I this this might come as like uh, a, a um, mild insanity to you guys, but I actually I like the day after tomorrow. Maybe, really? maybe That's you know, Why? maybe in my I in my old like as I'm getting older, maybe I'm just turning into that you know like turning into Michael's mom, who just like <laughs> loves disaster movies. Because I mean, I love just good disaster movies. But this one's so boring. See, I think this movie's entertaining. I just wouldn't ever say that like it's good. Okay, yeah, yeah. it's it's most good disaster movies. Enjoyed watching it. It's all about the escaping, you know, the being free, and by it being just extreme cold, most of this movie is just people hanging out in rooms. It's It's not just extreme cold. It's also, it's also uh, twisters in L.A. and and like yeah, that's you know. One of the only Manhattan. parts that doesn't completely suck ass. Yeah, I here's here's a weird theory that I came up with while while watching it is that this is sort of like a disaster horror film, like the weather and like the freezing over and stuff like that is all this in It's like the Jason Voorhees of the movie. Like if you get caught in the wrong situation, it's gonna get you. And like, well, that, like that's uh, what I. I'll go on. No, 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 I interrupted you. Sorry. Well, I was, I was just going to say, like, like there, there's just, like, elements of it that I, I thought were uh, kind of, they were just perfectly spooky for it. It's like, ooh, here comes global warming. Like, that was sort <laughs> yeah. of Emmerich's thing with it. Like, the, the helicopter pilot freezing over, I thought legitimately, legitimately was pretty cool. Like, that was an interesting and kind of horrifying thing to watch and to, like, think about. And then also, like, the weird, the goat, the, like, big freight 
ship that floats through yeah. the city. It's kind of a ghost ship. I was expecting to see like dead frozen bodies on it. That's kind of ghost shippy. And like, of course, the, oh, uh, Chekhov's wolves and stuff like that. Yeah, God, those well, wolves. And, yeah, there's that and weird, there's also like, 15, 20 minutes where it turns into like yeah. a survival uh, fake that part's, CGI. Yeah. Mm, that part's yes. not great. But I do think another good part that like kind of showcases the horror and kind of claustrophobia is when uh, the people at the research station, like Ian Holm and his like bros, yeah. just kind of are like, they're like, well we missed the train to get out of here like mm-hmm. there's this like really uh like you know the heat pump turns off and they're just like down to drinking brandy to like stay alive well that's it, an immortality quality like, too is like the the dudes who are the scientist guys that are always at these like stations in the middle of nowhere who like get an alien signal and who like that's kind of like a trait in all of these movies too yeah that's a fair point that sweet yeah. like camaraderie of like this like pro science and stuff like well it's not and i think there's like this perception of like low and high like the lines get blurred but like somebody some like little guy usually is like a part of this like larger narrative yeah with, like, mm-hmm. also these big players. like in this one they've got the homeless guy with the dog uh, yes. who ends up like having some good ideas at parts yeah like when, when he's quaid like yeah you have to insulate with newspaper or whatever yeah mm-hmm. well like quaid is gold bloom where again it's like these recurring characters that are they know the answer but no one's listening to them in this case dick cheney <laughs> Dude, uh, it's a hundred percent dick cheney um, that rolls but they're kind of like the similar characters and, and going back to what you were saying evan the like i didn't like i used to i remembered liking this movie quite a bit when i was younger but not enjoying it as much this time however i do love the first half of the movie and how it builds up that kind of tension it's similar to like in the patriot where it's the calm before the war is right out their door it's also i, I think like the way the, it builds the, is like independence day too yeah exactly like yeah it very builds much so. like the independence very day of like getting the paper the difference is independence day is actually like well paced where this, I would argue that they spend so much time front-loading and in introducing mm. these characters that don't really pay off that... Yeah, like, or they kill. Yeah, by the time things start happening, I was checked out. Like, well, because... Like, you, don't about, you don't care about Dash Mihawk? I don't. <laughs> I don't care about baby Jake Gyllenhaal either. adorable. Uh, uh, you t- well, I don't just because I think he's kind of a douche in this movie just the character but mm-hmm. but all the teenagers are fucking annoying stupid characters and i hate having to spend so much time with them but i don't like, know i did like oh you're preppy assholes who get to go to fucking new york for a <laughs> dumb That's competition kinda, like yeah, and you true. all have to wear dumb yeah, suits from dc like, or virginia yeah or you're flying you there kids yeah, yeah fuck you Assholes. rich kids i hope you yeah. all freeze to death uh, <laughs> so uh, with Hongo, mr are you freeze's saying? magic ice weapon yeah. <laughs> dude uh, no, i'm okay, just I'm saying go i would be way more invested if it was like you know like kids from the inner city and in like the bronx or somewhere who have to like who don't have the resources and have yeah. to like innovate yeah. to stay alive. And like, it's n- not just spoiled brat, rich kids who Ooh. have like a dumb little love story that is just like, like a, if Quaid was like the, in that star Trek episode with Picard and the kids and stuff, but it's like Quaid is like the science guy who knows what's going on and didn't want to be a dad, but is like then tasked with like helping these like annoying high school characters. Like, God, I forgot Safe. about that Star Trek episode. I totally did too. God, fucking <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only good thing about it is how much Picard hates kids. He's just like, yeah. oh, these fucking <laughs> children <laughs> that he has to deal with. And he's trapped in the that's, <laughs> that's your Patrick Stewart. These fucking children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, because like yeah. in the first few episodes, he's like, I want no children on my bridge. And yada yada. That's like, true. there's yeah, yeah. obviously oh, kids. He tries to kick Wesley off the bridge or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, one of his first character traits is he thinks kids are annoying. And he's right. It rules. Um, God. Yeah. But he learns the error of his ways later. He does. We're literally talking about that episode. Yeah. But, God. Anyways, uh, clearly, it's, it's we want to talk about <laughs> anything other than well, the day after tomorrow. To go back to what you were saying, Paco, so you would say that as soon as the cold snap hit, 
the movie started moving at a glacial pace. Dude, <laughs> I think it was inspired by the glaciers because it was moving at a glacial pace from the start. Uh, I mean, no, because I actually I agree with Jason. I think the beginning part portion is like is like uh, Independence Day. I actually think that like the way it builds up is fun. Quaid at the conference, blah blah blah. But then. I, I think uh, I would agree with you though, Paco. It does the action slows way down. There's no more big set pieces after the big CGI like climb catastrophe bullshit. And then the rest of the movie is just Dennis Quaid hiking through the snow to rescue his annoying son. Like mm-hmm. you're right, the latter portion of the movie is a total slog. And like the wolves are really yeah. lame. <laughs> Dude, uh, the CGI on those wolves is oh that was very noticeable. Yeah. Well, and it's like it's it's just an excuse to showcase that Jake Gyllenhaal isn't a sullen, annoying brat, and it doesn't work because it's so like brief. It's like the single moment where, where like he we're we're trying to be convinced that he isn't annoying, and it's like, well, just because he's smart doesn't mean he isn't annoying. <laughs> the only yeah. likable character in the movie is his mom, who is like, I'm not gonna let this kid with cancer die alone, so she stays in the hospital. Uh, I mean, yeah, the that is pretty guy's rad. okay. Yeah, yeah, the the hopeless guy's okay, but he has like nothing to do. He's That's just true. there they to be like very much. a magical font of wisdom, you know. Well, he, he's also there to to be like trod upon though. To like the first portion where yeah, he's just there for like kind of basic comic relief and also for people to be like, get out of here, you tramp! Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, which I it's think a is very basic. It's it's kind of a smart character to put into a movie like this is showing like even in horrible like a a disaster situation like this people or more like in the precursor to the disaster like it's raining and pouring outside he can't even go to the public library because he has his dog and like people just shooing him away and all this shit and him having to steal hot dogs and whatnot it's an interesting character i think to put into a disaster movie you know what i think would actually scenes with him yeah i for some reason that sparked a thought in my head of uh you know what could be a really interesting thing that this movie touches upon but doesn't explore? We basically invade Mexico. And there's like so yeah. much that can be done there. That's it's like a reverse illegal immigration thing where it's a yeah. bunch of white people going into Mexico. And like No, that's explicitly what it's like. It's not just like we don't invade, we get permission and then we and then we're refugees. But that's intentional. Like that's part of the subtext of the film. Yeah, but I mean, there's so much to explore there too. Like yeah, that, I think. Well, would but that be... would that would essentially be like the day after the day after tomorrow. I feel like it's a sequel kind of thing that you could do. But I'm saying you could have one character who's there escaping and like trying to adapt yeah. to Mexico, and so you're not just looking at ice. There's some fucking variety, you know. Um, yeah, well, there, there were exactly. twisters in LA, bro. God damn it! That was one yeah, scene, one scene in like the first twenty minutes. More like dehydration, you know. They, yes, they really no, no, it's true. The ball on that. And, if if uh, we had seen if we had seen like Alaska turn into a desert or something, yeah, you know, it would have been cool to see other places. Mm-hmm. Or well, it, just like fall. Oh God! Wait, wait. Oh, I'm so excited. Wait, wait, wait for it, man. I would prefer not to. But also, speaking uh, like to kind of uh, Moonfall and perhaps uh, our next film here, like, Emmerich has his fingers all over conspiracy stuff, and knowing that this is made by Art Bell and Whitley Strieber, <laughs> yeah, like, <dude. laughs> like he, he has never seen a goofy American conspiracy theory that he didn't think was immediately awesome. And like, I appreciate that, that is to sick. some extent. Like, I think it works really well and Independence Day. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's where, like, the kind of X-Files paranoia stuff, Quaid? like... But not in yeah. Stargate? No, I think it, it works in Stargate. It's just Stargate's not as good a movie as Independence Day. God, like, Fingerprints yeah, yeah. of the Gods and Graham Hancock and stuff is, like, silly. But, like, yeah, yeah, I get it. But it's, no, Independence Day is, like, the best example of this. But apparently it's in this, too, because Art Bell is apparently writing about uh, Superstorms, which, like, that's not... Like you know, that's a that's a legitimate concern. It's just kind of like silly, and it's it's like excess in the film. I'm so excited for him to make a QAnon movie now. Uh, oh. Like I hadn't <laughs> realized his whole thing with conspiracy theories the through all these wave. movies. Oh yeah, uh, and like I think he could make like a really fun, uh, 
sort of like a satanic pedophile movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dad, I'm like, stuck in the basement of a pizza parlor. <laughs> fucking Dennis Quaid. <laughs> Dennis Quaid has to tell everybody that the president uh, stole the election and they aren't oh, like yeah. they don't know it's real. <laughs> they're executing his political opponent at Gitmo. Dude, oh, they're fucking this, making this clones itself. of people. Uh and uh, QAnon are the people who believe in the dumbs too, right? <laughs> the deep underground military bases. Where yeah, they, where they, they keep children. kids, they <laughs> keep them like captive to harvest their adrenochrome. Oh yeah, dude, I'm telling you, if anyone could make a QAnon movie that would be like entertaining, it would be Roland Emmerich. Well, there's that okay. one that's being made by Jim Caviezel. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be entertaining though, because I don't think he's talented as a filmmaker. He's a talented well, actor. Yeah. Well, he's a maniac. <laughs> yeah, he's a madman. Uh, but, like, if Mel Gibson was making it, again, Caviezel and Mel Gibson are not good people. Oh, you mean the anti-Semite <laughs> sometimes director Mel Gibson? Yeah. <laughs> Who was in The Patriot? Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. Uh, Emmerich has, like, a sort of thing where he keeps working with conservative actors in Hollywood. Uh, Dennis the, Quaid? Yeah, the Quaids ah, are okay. famously conservative. Uh, oh, I didn't know Dennis Quaid was conservative. Oh, yeah. He's, I didn't either. He's not as vocal about it, but he's, like, well-known. Um, of course, Gibson. And there's a Q in his name. <gasps> you don't Oh, think. shit. <laughs> Man, and Randy's his fucking brother. Yeah, dude. Evan, um, can you add this to the advertising for our show so that we get more uh, more hits by just like hashtag Q, <laughs> hashtag oh, Q yeah, yeah. Yeah, hashtag we, where we, we go one, we go all. Hashtag, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll slip it in somewhere. Real Q, uh, I might start Meg doing Ryan, slip you were right. Meg Ryan, you. Well, I mean, Dennis Quaid seems like a nice enough guy, but he also seems kind of boring. Whereas, like, Russell Crowe, especially, like, in that era, he was a bad boy, you know? He was a maniac. Uh, Russell Crowe also thinks he's, like, a minstrel. The way he talks on Twitter (laughs) is the funniest thing I've ever seen. But, dude, when they were making Proof of Life, like, she cheated on uh, Dennis Quaid with Russell Crowe. And that's, like, right post-Gladiator Russell Crowe, when he's, like, drinking and fighting with everyone. Like... (laughs) Dude... Yeah, you gotta respect that fucking it. movie. I, yeah. I need to see those two duke it out. Dude, fucking Proof of Life is one of the first R-rated movies I was allowed to rent. And I watched it like five times over a weekend just because I like wasn't used to seeing sex and violence in a movie. It's not a good movie, but it's... No. Uh, it sounds like it a Kirk Cameron a, movie. No, it's like a... Meg Ryan's like a... Uh, I forget why, but she goes to like Colombia or somewhere in South America and gets kidnapped by basically FARC. And Russell Crowe is like the negotiator specialist guy who comes in to like go kill a bunch of, you know, brown people in the jungle and bring her back. We uh, need proof of life. <laughs> yeah, that was in the trailer. We need yeah. proof of life. <laughs> Dude. Uh, it's. It. <laughs> It's worth a watch, I think. I haven't seen it since uh, about 2001, so maybe I'm wrong, but I remember it being really fun. Okay. Anyways, uh, Wait, you're, what else you're can we Dennis talk Quaid about that's not the day of day after tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, nobody mentioned Saturday because listeners were recording on Thursday. Anyway, um, yeah, I there's there's. <sighs> There's kind of not a whole lot to talk about with this movie. It's what do you expect? It's a disaster movie with superstorms and and like an ice age, which is interesting that like Emmerich went kind of went on an ice age kick with this movie and the next movie after this one. Um, oh, the next I, I think 10,000 BC is not really an ice age movie. Well, I think it's I, a I um, still haven't watched it, but to this one. It it yeah, ostensibly takes place during an ice age though. In this movie, like when they go to that museum and they see the the like the woolly mammoth exhibit thing, they're like, Oh, mm-hmm. it was part of the ice ice age or we haven't seen weather patterns like this since ten thousand BC. Um Did he so. say that? 
They well, yeah, they, they. I remember they say something yeah. like that. Shit. Yeah, yeah. They do. And so it's they like, do. and then it's an Easter. Egg. So he, he like, uh, I feel like Emmerich at this point was like reading all these kinds of books about like you know global warming and uh, conspiracy well, theories and shit and like that. He was and reading. I think uh, was just like of the gods. He was what? Fingerprints of the Gods. That's the book that the, the X movie is based on. Oh, I had no idea. I also have no idea about that book. So <laughs> that explains. Um, but yeah, was it's uh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was a huge success. Like this came out in 2004. It, was? it made so like the the production budget was 125 million dollars and it made back wow. uh, like five over about half of a billion dollars. Like it was huge, huge. Wow. Um, huge. And I remember this was everywhere. Like I think I went to see this with my mom in the theater and it was just like it was a spectacle movie, like a really exciting spectacle movie. But really other like looking at it now the the special effects are dated and it just kind of is a showcase of special effects and like over the top antics and misses a lot of the critical elements of like the towering inferno or like an actual like disaster movie where the characters are grounded with something it's just kind of like archetypes going to do stereotypical things that are kind of like everyone's going through the motions where it doesn't feel like the characters are real um and yeah there's, the, there's nothing like remarkable with... about any of them that's a fair point yeah but yeah i also I, I can't even remember their names yeah i mean <laughs> it, yeah i had to write them down yeah this this is a this is an interesting does well okay see I, one thing i was thinking about too as as i was watching the movie for a second time uh, uh, ooh, ooh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> was that uh, gosh would you would you would you guys consider this his first disaster movie or his Independence Day the start of like Emmerich disaster I think because I was also arguing in my head I was thinking that Godzilla isn't m- much like when I in retrospect to me Godzilla isn't much of a Godzilla movie. It's more of like a disaster movie with a giant lizard yeah, involved. With a reason. Yes. I think Godzilla go more so than Independence Day. Independence Day is an invasion movie that includes disaster. And you can see him yeah. kind of like working out his disaster jollies in that movie. Like because disaster of it. But also arguably like some of the best sequences in the movie are like the White House blowing up for instance. Like yeah. that is a great sequence and it's done practically. So mm-hmm. it's cool. Yeah, the fact that this movie has the same kinds of set pieces, but it's all done with CG, it doesn't... Like, I could suspend my disbelief if there was, like, a greater attempt to, like, integrate it in a way that wasn't so obtrusive. But, like, like I said, there's, like, these huge sequences in the movie where there's just nothing but CG. Like, there's even the part where they back out on, uh, like, Dash Mihawk and, and, and Quaid, like, hiking through the snow. Yeah. And, and like, like, two sections back from like the scene like as soon as we're like just far enough away that we can cg it all becomes cg and then at one point i'm pretty sure that based on the scale of the building and the scale of the figures that it's actually not even to scale like it looked like the figures were too big so that we could still see them in comparison to the buildings and it was like yeah totally it was bad it was really bad i yes i know exactly what senior talking about and that is a very good point it's like I was because I know that uh, uh, CGI and stuff like that can be pretty expensive, right? Oh, yeah, it can be. Yeah. Oh, like each so movie. I was like, I was wondering, like 125 million to as the budget. Where did the money go? Mostly CGI. then. Oh, you know, it had to. Dennis Quaid to, to, took a good 30 yeah. percent off the top, I'm sure. Well, but to, <laughs> to render like those huge. Do you think he could sequences? afford that much or like? Well, was I mean, a- like that opening, that opening shot of like it's that like helicopter shot that's going over the iceberg and it as it yeah. reveals the camp. That's all CGI. Mm-hmm. So like that's expensive. Like that's a long sustained that shot that's all CGI. Yeah. So I think the amount of CGI that's in it because like there's not a whole lot of practical effects because there's only so much you can do with like a rain machine and like you know all of that stuff. So like. Yeah. That's but that's kind of what makes it 
a little tired and then when you add the like wolves in that just are mm-hmm. so random uh it, it just kind like, of it, loses its kind of focus dude, on what the hell is going on because that it's not just yet. felt so lazy to me because yeah. there was something in the aughts where filmmakers were like let's just fucking cgi animals instead of actually yeah. using animals like uh fucking the prairie dogs in uh in the Indiana Jones 4 and yeah. shit like that it's just like just get some fucking animals and like okay but i i would say though that you can do it well like all of us here have seen rr and for religious reasons they cgi the animals in that movie except it works it doesn't look like shit yes I like don't know. The, they're but they're not rendered I mean, incredible but, it's also, it's but the actors sell it's still yeah, pretty it's noticeable like, that they're CGI. I don't in RRR like I get what you're saying, but I still am like no, no. But, but I don't think it's about how the, it's it's about like how the actors. Appro- it's a spectacle. It's about how it's they like approach the CGI prompt. elements, though. Like yeah, yeah. If if the CGI is too, like if we're just seeing scenes of the CGI, just CGI, we're just rendering CGI. But if you actually have actors interacting with it, mm-hmm. then then you help to sell the illusion. And the problem with Day After Tomorrow is that most of the CG shots are like outer shots. And it's just huge storm shit. There's yeah, no yeah. real characters interacting with any even like remotely CG elements except for the wolves, which we all agree is a really awful part of the movie. And like, yeah. what I'm frustrated by nice. is like, you could get big like huskies and train them, angry like, giraffes. Yeah. They only uh, well, we were they only we were just three. discussing. Yeah. We were just discussing how much the CG costs. So if you're already spending like most of your effects budget on that. You would rather just do that than pay an animal trainer That's as well. So Gyllenhaal had a huge fit. Good he point. refused it. everything. The wolves <laughs> had to be CGI. It just was a it was a walk. He, he would have walked. You know, I had no idea. Know. Wow. Yeah, it's a big Jake deal. G, That's afraid what they don't of want you to know. Art Bell did a whole podcast about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the making of Day After Tomorrow by Art Bell. I think I I think I want to clarify just for the audience real quick that uh the movie is not written by art bell and whitley streber it's based on a book that they wrote together in 1999 sure Um, Mm -hmm. so just i just wanted to clear that up in case uh that was uh (laughs) because there were a couple times we were like yeah they wrote this piece of crap but evan uh did art bell reach out to our lawyers is this what's uh is, is art bell still this? alive i thought he dude that's no, was dead by now his no i i think art bell died yeah no he he's uh he ascended yeah uh-huh <laughs> art vandalay art vandalay well um, um yeah any do you believe this could really happen like what do you think about the science of this because i know that science <laughs> is the big one for this movie history will probably be a big part of 10,000 BC, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, about about really as big a part as it was for the Patriot. Is this what's going to happen with like all the oil spills, like the the railroads dropping hazardous waste everywhere? I mean, no. I, I remember actually uh, there was a recent paper a few months ago where scientists uh, supposedly were like, oh, the like polarity of the poles shifts like more often than we thought. And my first thought went to day after tomorrow because that's like in my memory a big part of how the science worked there, uh, which they don't. Well, it's not so much how the science works, but it's like a sign of what's to come. Yeah, and they don't really go into detail on like the nuts and bolts of how the climate change works in day after tomorrow. That's better because it doesn't. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think you need that. Yeah, they, but well, like a learned yeah. I mean, basically, <laughs> no, I don't think it's going to happen. I think we're going in the other direction. Uh, Mother Earth. Where is... it's going to get hotter. Oh. I think oh. the places yeah. that are cold are going to get hotter, and the places that are hot are going to get colder. <laughs> That's hot, Terry. <laughs> yeah. Can you say that more? Chris Hilton hot. Yes. Yes and no. And who cares? We're not here to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah bro fuck science yeah dude science is it is bullshit. funny how how perfectly like either cryptic or just like you know off the very frivolously they they talk about some of the science in this where they're like like hurricanes are like uh what's a hurricane doing over land and they're like 
Yeah, usually hurricanes don't form over land. And <laughs> yeah. well, they have those like eyewitness books okay. that they were Thank using you. to reference. You know, those <laughs> the like, eye- <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> they got like a well, whole collection. Okay, of but the this library. is this is very much like a lowest common denominator movie. Like it is so obvious that this is meant to be like a blockbuster, kind of like all ages. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's. Meant I to saw be... it in the theater when I was in eighth grade. Yes, you are the target audience. Yeah, and I fucking loved it when I was in eighth grade because I was an idiot. I'm still an idiot because I I like it. (laughs) Still blows me away. I know, but like I get it. I think I get why. Like this, just like Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh well, returning guest to the podcast. I think we've covered probably Jakey G more than any other actor at this. You know, it's actually quick. Nah, we've covered Denzel more. Yeah, quick really? BTS actually on that. I actually looked up. I was like, okay, Jake Gyllenhaal's got to be in like you know yeah. like Saturday Night Live, Five Timers Club. Oh, yeah. We've only done him in two movies, and that's yeah. Southpaw what? and The Guilty. Yeah, no, I am thinking that no. we. An oh, ambulance. ambulance! Fuck, you're right. So three. He's he's getting we, up. We there. just all like, like Jakey G. We do. Oh yeah, and I, I think mean, he actually well, does a pretty good actually, job. In this room. That's how actually our filmmakers. Our most covered actor is probably Mel Brooks. Because he's in well, most of his movies. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Come on. I, I was trying to figure out who actually. One of these days, I'll figure out who's actually in the mm-hmm. Golden Club. You know. Well, and did you guys know? You know who was almost in the Patriot as Heath Ledger's character? It was Jakey G. It's Jakey G. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I said that last time. I can't remember. <laughs> well, if you didn't before, now the audience knows. Listen right, to our audience. previous episode. I'm going to check it out for sure be, so that I can reference this tidbit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't think I've heard it before. Um, but I, I heard it's, it's good. a good movie, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've been meaning to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Somebody wrote an article about how. Anyway. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so uh, check it out. I asked Chatbot about it and they gave me a good <laughs> synopsis. <laughs> and they told me so they dumb. want to know love. <laughs> <laughs> did you see that uh the bing ai tried to get yes, a new york I, times reporter to break up with his wife yeah uh, that was pretty great yeah <laughs> the new yeah, segment they're, i they're saw they reporting. like prefaced it with a clip from her <laughs> of course <laughs> that's it, pretty it great. was pretty funny it was pretty funny i was like hey the producers have a sense of humor the newscaster went right over his head but the producers i was like somebody mm-hmm. <laughs> So do we have anything uh, else we want to say before we go to Saving Face? No, we should probably do that. <laughs> I don't think so. Disaster horror. Yeah. Thriller. Father-son drama. Father-son drama. I I truly did not like any performance in this movie. You didn't? Like... Uh, it's not the actor's fault in a lot of the cases. They just didn't have much to work with. True. I think I'm just going to go with like all of them. Dennis Quaid. He's basically just playing stock Dennis Quaid. He's got. He's not really <laughs> adding anything. He's just doing his movie star persona. But he was just kind of like a charming dad, you know, for a while there in the aughts. He really he was, did work. Yeah, like like for th- in in this particular case, like I've always loved Dennis Quaid, but yeah, in this okay. case, I'm like, yeah, just like dad concerned dad. He, I guess he does a good dad. Like, have you ever seen Fre- Frequency with Jim Caviezel? Oh, oh yeah. hell yeah! No, you know I have. Great, great one. That one He's rules. tuning into that for Dude, sure. They they talk to each other through the radio, like through time. It's mm-hmm. it's a goofy movie. It's like that, that sounds charming. They're it both firefighters, and the yes. dad died in a firefighting accident. And oh, it turns out maybe it wasn't an accident. And his, oh, that's right. his son's got to solve it. the mystery. Uh, <laughs> Which, wait, what is this movie called? Radio Frequency. Star. Frequency. Yeah. It's really uh, good. Okay. I think I remember seeing trailer for that when it was coming out. Dude, it, I, again, haven't seen it since like 2001, but I really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> that sounds familiar. You should watch that instead of this listener. That one, we were busy as fuck in 2000. Dude, <laughs> I'm just saying, you got to check out Proof of Life. It fucking okay, okay. It ruined uh, it. Meg Ryan's career, so you know it's got to be good. 
Let's oh, see. Ah, uh, it's not available to stream anywhere. That's a bummer. Damn. Um, Can you show me the proof of that was. from today's timestamp? Um, <laughs> I and, sure and then, could. Uh, um, <laughs> whose, whose face would you say from this movie? Do you agree um, about Dennis Dennis Q? Uh, Denny Q? Yes. And and um, I, I do want to give a shout out to RJ Smith, who played uh, their friend Brian. Oh, sure. Who was like the nerd dude who was like fixing the phones and stuff like that. Like, I, th- I thought of all the characters, I I liked him of the group of friends of the annoying teenagers. Um, and I think the actor did a pretty good job just because I, I like to shout out the smaller roles. But I would say it's it's Dennis Quaid. And like I have I've again, I'm, I'm, I'm I might sound this may sound a little crazy, but I have had for a long time. A thought that every Kevin Costner role should be replaced with Dennis Quaid. Dude, that's funny and because I, I was thinking the same what. thing, but in reverse. And like when ah, I was really? watching this movie, I, I was Kevin like, Costner Kevin Costner would fucking up, kill it in this movie. <laughs> no, like, every, I, like growing up watching, like there's a lot of movies that I would grow up and think that it's Dennis Quaid when really it's Kevin Costner, and then mm-hmm. I'll get disappointed because I think Kevin Costner is a worse actor than Dennis Quaid. And that's where also I was thinking of like man of steel, Kevin Costner. I think oh God. Dennis Quaid would be a way Don't better. Clark, um, fucking uh, Pa Kent. I can, pa Kent. like I will give you that'd be way better than Kevin Let Costner. And if you like, don't, dances with if you wolves don't would like, be better. Nah. Like, the untouchables like, would be better. Dude. No fucking way. Field of dreams. Yeah. Dennis Field Quaid instead of great. Kevin Costner. Dude, oh, Kevin Costner rules. Yeah. No. No. Even when he's bad, no, he's guys. great. He, dude, it's, he it's like a fucking, rule in our house. He, he Both tanked, Michael and I are like, like no Kevin Costner movies. Dude, that blows me away. I love Kevin Costner. Uh, he's uh, such a I fucking just, Chad. He just like blew up the most successful TV show uh, on in, in America. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he basically was working on. Uh, he was just like, oh, yeah, I don't want to work on this very much anymore because I want to, like, work on... I forget. I think he's directing a movie again. Huh. Um, and so he just didn't show up to set. And so they were like, all right, I guess we're just going to cancel Yellowstone because we can't oh work God. with Kevin Costner. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. Dude. That's it, hilarious. Such a baller move. No wonder yeah. they spun it off so many times. That makes a lot well, more sense. Well, no, but like it was just recent. It was just the season. But apparently oh, they see. couldn't shoot anything because just unexpected. he just would be like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to come to set today, which that's, that's pretty common oh. with actors in TV. Like that happened okay. a lot on Empire. Um, but most of the time they just figure out how to work around it. But they were just like, yeah, fuck it. Let's just cancel the like, like highest show on TV. Two scenes back. You know, and they just repeat the dialogue that would have been. God, <laughs> I really Dude, want to watch Yellowstone. Every time I see a clip from it, it's more insane than the last one. Dude, uh, I I started watching it with my dad one time and I was like, this show is kind of like it's not terrible. It was enjoyable. I I, I don't quite understand the huge appeal, but I also was like, it's slightly uncomfortably conservative. Dude, the last See? clip I saw from it was like there was a young woman professor and like uh, a guy in the class said something and she said something about like trigger warnings or cancel culture or something. And then he was like, oh, actually, and like uh, basically said all the basic boring conservative talking points and the whole class claps. And it's so fucking corny. I was like, "That's what I'm talking about." Like, holy shit! I kind of want to watch this just because it looks insane, dude. The <laughs> like, best Taylor, the best Taylor Sheridan show is fucking Tulsa King. There's no, there's nah, no dude. Option. It's that's it's so the funny mayor. That he did that. It's the all about the mayor of East Town. He's got to solve all these prison problems, Terry. Ah, uh, yeah, but Terry Tulsa would... King. Sorry. Are you going to ask me what my saving face is? Jay? Yeah, but no, go go ahead about Tulsa King. <laughs> no, no. Go ahead about okay. Tulsa King for real quick. Terry, no, do they no. ever Get douse anybody in gasoline and then light them on fire in Tulsa King? Uh, No, but there's other silly shit that I think is equally fun. It's like okay. Roadhouse. Uh, <laughs> kind of. Um, but no, my saving face, uh, just just to be a wiener, 
And to make you guys mad, I'm going to pick Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. Me too, Terry. I, I was, he was in close second. <laughs> We're sharing this You one. guys are fucking wild. Dude, I, I, I thought he was good as the kid. But Terry to, to like, fresh off his, like, Donnie Darko kind of thing, he's yeah. playing, like, a Solon. Like, his hair is even kind of, like, he's got that, like, meh. Like, he's got that he, yeah, he has this, like, on his kind of chip, cringing, cringing, like, yeah, yeah. He's, like, kind of hunched over and, like, uncomfortable, like, yeah. He has like his voice is like high back then. I'm set I'm fine, Dad. Yeah, exactly. They, he he does petulant teenager really well, but also like weird manic teenager. Like because any any role where he gets to be weird, he just excels at. And he's exceptionally weird and annoying in this movie. And then later on, even when he like tries to be normal, it's to like go attempt to drown himself to call his parents. Like yeah. it's it's really wild the juxtaposition is like <laughs> yeah or God. he has to go fight wolves to save his girlfriend like it's really strange yeah. and emmerich is doing everything he can to make his character more interesting and failing so miserably it's just hilarious <laughs> but that is exactly why it's a bad performance like and he's like i know when he's supposed to be like 18 Disagree. or whatever it's it's fucking he great. still looks he does look like a kid though I think. he does he look like, like a baby kid. But like going back to what Paco you had said earlier, like I feel like Jake Gyllenhaal was doing a really good job with the material that he had. It was just like you could see the like the like he was confident in his performance, but like some of it was so bad. Like the writing is so bad where I could tell that he's a good performer given shitty dialogue like in, in like a character that's not doesn't have anything like his only motivation is he has a crush on a girl and like literally it's like why yeah, did he join yeah. the club because he has a crush on a girl why did he fight wolves because he has a crush on a girl like not dependable like i i don't know but but like i thought he did a good job with what he had and, and i kind of you know i i do have a bias i'm a big jkg fan but uh he also you know nonetheless does a great job here i think yeah i agree yeah, ian like holm, with oh yeah ian holm too who's always great yeah ian holm, yeah he was almost my choice but i feel like he doesn't have enough to do to no. really be a pick but he does like suitably grave professor like pretty well and then he's also like he hey guys i stashed the brandy like i don't yeah. know the, mm-hmm. the parts he's in i think are enjoyable he's like i would rather the day after tomorrow take took like place in Britain with those characters because those characters were more oh, interesting yeah. than the ones in America. Totally, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they do. That would have been a twist I... where you use Dennis Quaid and Gyllenhaal <laughs> to like really drum up all the publicity, and then you kill them <laughs> off five minutes in, and it's God. just an Ian. That Holm, would be like, a better dude, movie. That would be sick. Just yes. snowed in. Yes, let's remake Snowden. it, guys. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I I agree. Like <laughs> the Ian Holm stuff is way more interesting. And I, I do think it is an interesting part of this movie is like there are random characters that get full like scenes, maybe a little bit of fleshing them out, making you think like, oh, they're going to stick around like they're going to be part of this movie. And then they just get killed. The, the like, boss of it's hosed by the by the uh, sign in, in L.A. <laughs> yes. And the, uh, the whole tornado scene and, was actually kind of dope. Yeah. Of, like the scumbag guy or whatever. And it's just like, the, the guy's like, where are you? He's like, the, yeah, oh, I'm on the interstate. And then he just sees him gets like smooshed like right on TV, on live TV. Yeah, that was. Oh, my God. I hope nobody was in that Porsche. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the guys who get on that bus is like, I'll give you $200 to make it in service. And then the wave comes, they're gone. You're like, oh, I, I guess know, right? N- no more of them anymore. Well, that was well you see, everyone else is getting off the cars and running, and the guys are still just on the bus, and they're like, "What are you gonna do, Walk? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought uh, one little fun fact I wanted to share about the guy who plays the vice president. Um, Dick gosh, what was? Uh, Dick yeah, Cheney? who plays the the Dick Cheney guy? Mm-hmm. Uh, actor uh, Kenneth Welsh. Mm. Um, he. Get this. He plays a sheriff in a made-for-TV hostage thriller starring James Garner. And here's the fun part. That movie shares a title with a movie we've covered before. So it's kind of part of the, you know, the vulgar pantheon. Interesting. And that movie, the title of that movie is... Dead Silence. God damn it. <laughs> they need to stop naming up. movies that. Oh, 
Evan, you, yeah. you brought a tear to he my al- eye. You brought a tear to my here's, eye. Here's, so a, proud of you. here's another fun one. He also <laughs> is in an episode of Stargate Atlantis. So he's like oh, weirdly oh, mixed in our like okay. older pantheon. Anyway, I just thought that was kind of fun. I'm like, hmm. Well, cool. He also plays Captain Hepburn's dad in The Aviator. Well, the but that's know. the only thing I remember him from. Oh, man. Oh, he's I, in Time Cop. Fuck yeah, he oh, is. He's in Time Cop. Yeah, dude, he was. I was looking up his his filmography and stuff like that, and he's like, it's like he's he's a working actor. Like, well, uh, unfortunately, he passed. I think in twenty twenty. Um, he was in Psycho Gorman. He. Hell yeah! yeah that's such who was he in Psycho Gorman? The narrator. Oh huh. fuck yeah! You guys have nice seen voice. Psycho Gorman by now, right? No, I yeah, still. I love that movie. That was so fun. I haven't seen it yet. Ah, oh, dude, that one's that one's on Shutter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's okay. uh, basically if Power Rangers was R-rated and incredibly violent and bloody. Um, it's really cute. Uh. Like the like sincerity in it is surprisingly like the tone it has is the so tone is. Well, I you guys, it's it's so such fun. a like tightrope because they're fucking making a really goofy movie, uh, but like it's still real for all the characters and like oh god i love the kid that gets turned into a brain uh and she's be, actually a great spoiler. actor too like the kids yeah. are actually good actors e- either way huh. see that instead of yeah. day after tomorrow uh, yeah because I, I remember <laughs> yeah i remember you guys talking about it in i think it was the 2020 or the 2021 annual vulgar yeah god it is so good Well, yeah. Any any final thoughts on on Saturday? Nope. <laughs> no, I think we um, we talked about this one enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's all enough. right. Uh, join us next time when we're talking one thousand BC. No, ten thousand. Ten thousand. Ten thousand. Whatever. <laughs> Fucking one million. It's BC. a long time ago. One billion BC. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. It would have been yeah. closer. No, we'll, to we'll cover that next week. All right. See you guys then. Duties. You've been listening to the Vulgar Tours podcast with Paco, Terry, Evan, and me, Jason. Vulgar Auteurs is produced, engineered, and mixed by Evan. Art design is by Matthew Roland Ferris, who you can find on Instagram at PestoPasta44. All Vulgar music is by Evan, and the best way to support the show is to tell your friends and follow us on Twitter at AuteursVulgar and Instagram at Podcast. Feel free to email us at VulgarAuteurs at gmail.com, and please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.